Well, I think we'll uh, make a start. So, uh, welcome to our seminar, guys. Me and Elise are going to be talking to you today about meditating on Scripture. Uh, you'll find a handout on it in your folders. We tried to make it as long as Paul's, but to no avail. Um, yeah. So I imagine when you think of the word meditation, you might think of someone sitting in a lotus position and humming, or maybe someone concentrating on breathing in and breathing out repeatedly. But when we talk about meditation in Christian circles, what we mean is a way of thinking deeply about Scripture and being changed by it. Well, we start off the session by looking at one of the questions in the Westminster Larger Catechism. That's the statement of faith of our denomination expressed in the form of question and answer. And question 157 says, how is the word of God to be read? And the answer is, the Holy Scriptures are to be read with a high and reverent esteem of them, with a firm persuasion that they are the very word of God, and that he only can enable us to understand them, with desire to know, believe, and obey the will of God revealed in them, with diligence and attention to the matter and scope of those laws, with meditation, application, self-denial, and prayer. Based on this, we've come up with a definition of prayer which can be found on, uh, sorry, a definition of meditation, sorry, that can be found on the sheet. Meditation is the deliberate, it's not done by accident, diligent, reverent, prayerful, and continual reading of Scripture and reflection of Scripture with the goal of knowing, believing, enjoying, and obeying the Word of God. It's a bit of a mouthful. But please uh, have a couple minutes first to maybe chat to your neighbours about why do you think we've included each of those parts of that definition? Why is it important to read and reflect on the Bible in a deliberate way, in a diligent way, in a reverent way, prayerful and continual way? How about that? I'm just going to bring you guys uh, back in there. Um, I won't ask for feedback for now, but hopefully that conversation was helpful. Uh, we've also included a definition on the sheet from Tim, Tim Keller, who says meditation is thinking a truth out and then thinking a truth in until its ideas become big and sweet, moving and affecting, and until the reality of God is sensed upon the heart. Tim Keller talks about meditation as the thinking the truth out, that is to fill the mind with scripture, and thinking the truth in, that is to impress its message into your heart until it brings about real change. Meditation, is, meditation on scripture is something that renews both the mind and the heart. One piece of scripture that's important when thinking about meditation is Psalm 119. If you flip to the next page on your sheet, we've highlighted some sections of the psalm on the sheet. So we're going to spend about 10 minutes reading each of these sections. There's the first section, 1 to 8, verses 9 to 16, 25 to 32, 97 to 104, and 105 to 112. We've got a couple questions about that. What, what does the writer meditate on? What, particularly, what particular parts of God's word does he meditate on? How would you describe the writer's attitude to scripture? Do you feel the same way? Why or why not? And how does meditating on God's word help the writer of the psalm? 
So let's, uh, let's spend about 10 minutes reading uh, that psalm and those bits of it, and then have a think about those questions with those uh, people next to you. It's uh, quite strong there. So um, hopefully that was a helpful exercise. Uh, on the next page of your sheets, you'll see two big reasons uh, that we thought of for meditating on Scripture. You'll notice they're both framed in terms of God uh, working. That's because God works through his scripture. Even though it's us who meditate on it, it's God who works in us through it. So firstly, God renews our minds through meditation on scripture. Listen, listen to uh, Ephesians four seventeen to 24. Uh, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In this passage, Paul is reminding the Ephesians that they used to have darkened minds like the rest of humanity. Paul says elsewhere that humanity as a whole doesn't seek God and doesn't want to do good in his eyes. But Paul says that when they learn Christ, that is, hearing and believing the gospel through Christ's word, they have a new self and a new mind. In verse 22, they have an old self, a former manner of life, that they're not to go back to, but instead they are to put on the new self, which involves renewing the mind. The old self has deceitful and corrupt desires, but the new self has a renewed mind and is in the likeness of Christ. So what does it look like to have a mind that is renewed by Scripture? Well, here's two things. Meditating on Scripture shapes our vision of the world, and gives us consistency in our faithful walks. C.S. Lewis famously said, I believe that in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not, because, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. God's message to us through scripture isn't simply a new piece of information to add to our worldviews. It's a whole different paradigm about how things truly are. That's what C.S. Lewis means when he says, that the sun rises, he doesn't only see the sun, but he also sees everything else in its true nature. Similarly, God's word reveals to us the true nature of the world, why it exists, why it has flaws. We saw that a bit this morning in the overview, and where it is going. It's very important, therefore, for our, our vision, our worldview, and our understanding of the world to be shaped by scripture rather than the world's messages. For example, Modern culture, more more influenced by 1700s philosophers, will tell us that we're fundamentally good and we only do bad things because we're corrupted by systems and society. But meditation on scripture reveals to us that the truth is that we have a heart problem. Jesus says that out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and so on. So we need to meditate on scripture to keep our vision of the world shaped by God rather than culture. Secondly, there's consistency. So often in our life as a Christian, 
we can end up feeling low on energy or cold in our love for Christ. Sometimes we'll go to conferences or big Christian events like CU Forum, and off the back of that, we'll feel really energized to serve Jesus, and we'll be bursting to share him with our friends. But at other times, we'll feel like the Christian life is a bit of a grind. It might feel boring or a pain to read our Bibles, or we'll struggle to pray because we don't really feel like it. We might have gone through something very difficult, and we'll feel like being faithful is an added burden rather than a help. But meditating on Scripture helps us to love Christ consistently and to be more consistently joyful and consistently comforted by him. When we feel empty and need to be refueled of love for Christ, then we can meditate on Scripture. We can meditate on how deeply he knows us and our situations and how he's shown his love for us, how he lived for us, died for us, and went to heaven to prepare a place for us. Thomas Watson, our writer uh, in the 1700s, said that meditation is the bellows of our affections. So our love for Christ is like a fire that is burning, and meditating on the word is like the bellows that push air into the fire and make it hotter and keep it burning. Secondly, God accomplishes his work in us when we meditate on his word. Firstly, he, he saves people when they hear and think about his word. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 10. The word is near you in your heart and in your, oh, sorry, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So through his word impacting our hearts, God brings about the faith in us that saves. Our heart means our innermost dispositions, and God causes our hearts to believe through his word. For people who might be struggling to believe or want to believe but just feel that they can't, then meditating might be a helpful idea. Chewing the gospel over in your mind, listening to the right teaching about Jesus, um, is what God has provided you to bring about faith in your heart. Secondly, God's word is how God sanctifies us when we believe. That is, it's how he trains us and molds us to be more like Jesus. There's a couple ways in which the word does that. I've listed three of them on the sheet here. It convicts us, the word assures us, and the word instructs us. So firstly, it convicts us. One John says... If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. God's word reveals and alerts us to the fact that we are sinners and we need saving. And even when we believe, we still have sin, John says. And we will until Christ comes back and makes us perfect. When we meditate on God's word, God helps to make us aware of our sins. When we really think about the implications of his teaching on our lives... It makes us aware of sins that we maybe didn't know about and helps us to fight more fervently against the sins we already know. Thomas Watson again said that the heart is hard and the memory is slippery, but meditation fastens the truth onto our minds. Sometimes our consciences can be seared and we can lose sight of how grievous some of our sins are against God. And we feel less and less guilty about them until we feel nothing at all. 
but meditating on God's word and his perfection alerts us to the severity of our sin and helps us to drive it out. Secondly, his word assures us. While God's word does the job of convicting, it also does the job of assuring God's children of their salvation. Often when we've reflected on just how short we fall from God's standard, we can end up feeling discouraged or uncertain of our own salvation. But God's word gives us assurance. Some might think, I've done many sins, how can God save me? But the word assures us of God's power to save and his willingness to save. We learn of Paul, the apostle in the Bible, who calls himself the chief, the worst of sinners, and still God saved him. We learn that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not that we managed to convince God to save us, but he willingly saved us out of a free gift of grace. Others might think, I've really mucked up now. Is God going to let go of me? And the word assures us that we have an advocate in heaven and that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. And no one who is in Jesus' hand will ever be snatched away. On a more corporate level, we might look at the state of the church and think it looks weak and failing, but God says through his word that he's with the church and the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. Often as believers, we need to be reminded and assured of God's love and forgiveness, uh, God's love and commitment to us. And meditating on God's word helps us to feel afresh that assurance. Thirdly, God's word instructs us. It shows us how to please God and how to go about living as his people. He instructs us through his word about what we are to believe about God himself, what we're to believe about the world, and what we're to believe about ourselves. He instructs us through the word how to live our lives and how to properly show our love for God. He also instructs us about how to live not just as individuals, but also as a church. He tells us what to look for in church leaders, and he tells us how to build each other up in the faith. When we meditate on God's word in that way, we're being diligent students listening to God's good instruction. Thirdly, God equips us for spiritual battle. Um, we, don't fight, uh, we, we don't fight a battle with guns or swords. We're not in a physical battle, but Ephesians 6 tells us that if we're believers, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. It's true that God loves his children, but it's also true that the devil hates us. Spiritual forces of evil are at work in the world to destroy the work of God, or the work that God is doing. But God has equipped his people through his word for those battles. I'll sort of split this into two sections. There's um, how he's equipped us for defense against temptation and against adversity, and how he's equipped us for Offense for doing his work for evangelism and discipleship. Spiritually, we'll be, we'll be attacked through temptation to sin and adversity from the world. When we face temptations, meditating on God's word helps to remind us how sweet God's promises are and how much better it is to serve God than ourselves. It reminds us that the fleeting pleasure 
we may get from sin is never worth it, and it's always got a sting in its tail. But serving God is much more, uh, much better and much more satisfying, ultimately. When we're faced with opposition and adversity from people, we're reminded from God's word that he is with us, that he knows what it's like, and that ultimately he will preserve us through it. So meditating God's word equips us to face temptation and adversity and come out the other side strong in faith. And secondly, for uh, offense, as I've called it, as I've called it. Ephesians 6 describes God's word as the sword of the spirit. He equips us through the word to deal damage to the spiritual evil in the world. We participate in God's work in the world when we spread the gospel, and we're equipped to spread the gospel through the word. When we meditate on God's word, we, we sharpen our understanding of the gospel, we elevate our view of it, and see it as the solution to the world's problem. The gospel becomes something that we think about all the time and it overflows into all of our speech and actions. And secondly, it's through the word that we can disciple each other and build each other up in the faith. The sword of the Spirit is a sword that builds believers up. The word helps us to correct each other when we need it and it helps us to encourage each other. One of the best things you can do with someone to build them up in the faith is to read the Bible with them and meditate on it together. So those are some thoughts on why it's helpful to meditate on Scripture and why it's specifically helpful to think about Scripture when you're doing that. I'm just going to invite Elise up now, and she's going to help us through some practical ways of meditating. So Dan has already given us several reasons as to why we should meditate on scripture. And from the Psalms, we have seen that meditation protects us from the fate of the wicked in Psalm 1, 1 to 5. And in Psalm 1 verse 3, we read that meditation makes us like fruitful and prosperous trees planted by streams of water. And in Psalm 1 verse 2, meditation also warms and delights our hearts. And we know how deeply our sinful hearts need to be warmed. Our hearts are so often cold to the Lord. And whether our hearts are preoccupied, struggling, suffering, doubtful, lazy or joyous, we can turn to God's word to refuel the fire of our hearts for him. Because when we meditate on God's word, we meditate on God himself. And he reveals himself in scripture as we learned this morning with Paul. So when we set aside time to open our Bibles and meditate on what we read, we are meeting our glorious God, the only one who can satisfy our souls. In James chapter 1, verse 25, we read, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. But how do we meditate on God's word so that we are not forgetful hearers? Earlier, Dan reminded us that God renews our minds and accomplishes his work in us when we meditate on his word. So how do we meditate on God's word so that we are built up in faith and formed by God's word rather than the world around us? Well, again, in Psalm 1, the psalmist 
meditates day and night on the law of the Lord. And we saw in Psalm 119, verse 97, the psalmist declares, How I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Meditation, therefore, is not a one-off event in the life of a Christian. It's a lifestyle that we're called to cultivate. And this lifestyle is formed... um, Oh, no. (laughs) It's formed by regular times of focused and intentional meditation on Scripture. And we'll greatly benefit from even brief time spent in God's Word. We can continue to meditate on God's Word throughout the day even if we take away just one truth to carry with us and mull on, or remember one verse to remind ourselves of. So over the next few minutes, we'll think about some of the practical ways that we can approach meditation in our lives. And firstly, we need to prepare our hearts and minds before we do. If you're anything like me, you'll know it can be a real battle to focus Often when I begin to reflect on God's goodness and his sovereignty, or start mulling on truths pressed home to me in recent sermons, within a few minutes I can find myself very far away. It's alarming how quickly my mind can take me to my mental to-do list. And meditation on God's word can so rapidly descend into meditation on what's for dinner. In our age of relentless notifications and endless online entertainment and the busyness of everyday life, it can be a real struggle to focus. And in fact, distractions are a tool that Satan uses to keep us away from God, pulling us away from Jesus and preventing us from hearing God's word. Which is why we so desperately need single-minded and focused meditation on God's word all the more. So part of our preparation to meditating on God's word is setting our expectations. We should expect it to be difficult. The psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Like the psalmist, we too need to fix our eyes on God's word, resisting the temptation to distraction Meditation requires spiritual determination and perseverance. Determination to keep meditating on God's word, even if we need to reset our focus after our minds have wandered, maybe even multiple times, is important. Very practically then, it makes sense that part of our preparation should involve minimizing distractions around us as we come to read and meditate on God's word which will impact the place and time we choose for uninterrupted time with God. Personally, I also know it's helpful to turn my notifications off, put my phone on the other side of the room. And uninterrupted and focused meditation on God's word will be easier on some days and during some seasons of life than others. But the Psalms also show us that meditation is more important for our souls than anything else no matter how pressing our circumstances can be. Psalm 119, verse 23 says, Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. The psalmist did not give up prayerful meditation on God, even when faced with enemies on every side. We need God, 
We are dependent upon him, and we can lean on him and should lean on him, even in the most pressing circumstances. So part of our preparation is our posture. So, as Dan said, though contrary to popular conceptions about meditation, it's the spiritual posture of our souls, rather than our bodies, that we have in view here. Are you coming to God in complete dependence upon him? Which leads us to our second point. Pray dependently. We cannot rely on our resolve alone. Why? Because our resolve does not last. We are insufficient on our own. We need God's help. We need his strength, his wisdom, his power to transform our cold hearts. So we need to pray for God's help, like the psalmist in Psalm 119. In verse 18, the psalmist prayed that God will open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Again, in verse 25, we see him pray, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. And again, in verse 27, he asks God, Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Over and over throughout this psalm, the writer asks for God's help. He petitions God to open his eyes to scripture, to give life and understanding through his word. One second. What do we do when meditation seems too difficult? When our focus is affected by our circumstances and our hearts feel cold to God's word. We cling to the Lord's gracious help, poured out through his spirit. Um, And if you haven't ever truly tried meditating on scripture, or you really struggle with meditation, we trust that the Holy Spirit helps us even in our weaknesses. Even after our minds wander or we give in to distraction, we can come back to our gracious and loving God in prayer. We can ask for his strength and help. And we trust that the Spirit will help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. That he will give us understanding and remind us of God's wonderful works and fill us with joy. Leading us to walk in God's ways through his strength. So as we come to meditate on scripture, we must do so with joyful reliance on the Lord. For where he is insufficient, for where we are sufficient, he is sufficient. And where we are created, he is creator. We must come to his word with a posture of humble dependence upon him. In meditation, we seek to study scripture, to understand it and impress it on our hearts, as Dan was saying. So thirdly, we need to pause and ponder when we come to meditating on God's word. As we read scripture, meditation begins when we stop over a particular truth and begin to think it out. We might pause and ponder over a wonderful truth whilst we're in the middle of reading a passage or return to it after we've finished a Bible reading. But either way, we begin to think the truth out and to understand what God is communicating to us through his word and to respond and remember it. As we meditate, we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 143, verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands.
There are lots of ways that we can think a truth out when we seek to meditate on God's word. You could repeat the verse or phrase with an emphasis on a different word each time as you think it through. Or you could write the verse down or speak it out loud to focus your attention and slow down and savor the truths. I know others of you like to use highlighters or post-it notes or calligraphy and find that really helpful. And asking questions of the passage, like how we spent time in Haggai earlier, um, can also be really, really, really helpful. Questions like, why is this passage important? What do I need to know here? What does it say about God? What does it say about me? How does this reading point us to Jesus? Dan has very kindly agreed to share some of his thoughts with us. So Dan, what practical steps do you personally find helpful when you meditate on scripture? Great question. I'll eat without my answers. So, um, (laughs) firstly, I try to read it uh, carefully. You know, I try to think um, about what exactly the passage is saying. It can help when, you know, sometimes sometimes on on a surface level reading, the language is confusing. And um, but if you really look carefully at where what the logical progression of the passage is, like where the words for and therefore and stuff like that happen. Also try and think of like, I'm, I'm, re- I'm reading Genesis right now in my spare time and just thinking about what, what happens in each chapter as I've read it. Uh, sometimes it might be a case of um, reading a book o- over and over again rather than speeding through it. It might be spending like, I don't know, a month in, in Colossians just reading Colossians every every day, you know, and that really drills it into your into your head. Um, I sometimes like to make little notes for myself on Google Docs. Um, of, of firstly, by the way, I, like this is just how way I do things, not authoritative. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to make things on Google Docs because uh, I I don't like to. Some people like to highlight their Bibles, and that's great. I don't because I get worried I'll disagree with what I've highlighted or whatever. Um, or highlighted the wrong things. Um, but, you know, G- Google Docs is good for that because you can just go back and change it. Um, I like to think about it throughout the day. If there's, like, I'm on the tube in Glasgow or just on, on the train <laughs> for Cornhill. Um, I, it's, <laughs> I don't know what's so funny about that. Um, I, it's good to talk to other people about it. I, I, I love to lecture Elise, talk to Elise on the train <laughs> about it, and she's very good at listening, somehow even listens with her earphones in. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, just, just th- th- when you've got nothing to think about, think about scripture, you know, what, what do you think about just before you sleep or um, while you're cooking your dinner? Or, you know, just, um, yeah, think about God's Thanks, Dan. <laughs> we would love to hear what some of you find sorry, helpful. One, one more thing, I'm really Ooh. sorry. <laughs> sorry, we talked about this at the start. Uh, these are called scripture journals. They're quite helpful because if you have the same thing as me where you don't like making permanent changes on your Bible with your pen, you can have these where it's got like Bible on one page and then a blank page on the other where you can make your notes. So they're, they're helpful. So I'll try again.
Thank you. But yeah, as I was saying, we would love to hear what some of you find helpful as you meditate on God's word. And these are just a few examples of ways we can help ourselves pause over a passage or verse and ponder it. And we want to massively encourage you to continue the conversation with each other after this seminar. But after pausing and pondering over scripture, do we stop there, close our Bibles and carry on with the rest of our day as if it had never happened? Well, thinking a truth out is only part of our meditation on God's word. We also need to think God's word into our hearts. We need God's word pushed into our hearts to warm our affections and root us in his truth amidst the distractions and hardship of life. So we need to preach truth to ourselves. Throughout the day, we can continue our meditation on God's word by reminding ourselves of the truths that we saw in his word. And we can continue to reflect um, on those truths, mulling them over in our minds and praying them through as we go about the day to day. And we need to be reminded of God's truth. When we so easily grow distracted and cold towards God, how helpful would it be to have the truth of scripture always before us? to help us put things into perspective as we apply the solid and unchanging truths of God's word to our fluctuating emotions and our faltering affections. And finally, we need to persevere. We've touched on this a little bit already, and it sums up a lot of what has already been said. We need to be willing to persevere in our meditation on God's word. As Christians, meditation is a lifelong pursuit And it will encourage us in our relationship with God, help us in our understanding of his word to us and transform us by his power. We can prioritize meditation and persevere with joy because we know that God's word is good for our souls. It is more precious than gold and silver, as we saw in Psalm 119, verse 72. So let me finish with a verse from Psalm 1. Blessed or happy are those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. We're now going to spend a few minutes in groups before we close, um, looking through the questions in your handout. So if you could get into groups, that would be amazing. And we'll call you back when we're finished. Let me just pray before we have our afternoon coffee break. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings to us, for giving us your word so that we can know you and trust you. And we thank you for foundations and and pray that it would be a real encouragement to us as we reflect on your word. And we pray that you would encourage our hearts and, and our confidence as we come to your word and meditate upon it. We pray that you would make it a priority and that you would warm our affections towards you and that you would give us a desire to meditate on your word for ourselves and encourage each other to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.